Hello, my ladies, and good morning. Well, good morning for me, at least, on my side of things. We are going to be hearing from Megan Rothenberg today, and that name might sound familiar. She's been on an episode with us before. Today, she's going to tell us the story of her fresh birth story. Eliana's only three months old, and what's cool about it is we get to hear a home birth story where the umbilical cord was wrapped around the neck three times. And I know a lot of that might sound scary because of maybe other stories you've heard in the past, but today we want to put you at ease a little bit, share some statistics, and honestly, the physiology of how the woman's body works and all the reproductive organs, because you guys, it's incredible. And then lastly, if you've been thinking about home birth, Megan and I talk a lot about the midwifery practice and how it might differ from what you've been used to in Western medicine practice with an OB. And then, you know, how you might get your spouse on board. Megan has experience with this. I have experience with it. And we're just hoping that you walk away with a sense of understanding and hopefully excitement into digging into a little bit more. I do want to forewarn you that Megan, of course, this baby is so little. So the baby is with her and audio quality kind of goes in and out in certain spots as she kind of steps away or pulls away from the mic to comfort and love on Miss Eliana and keep her entertained while we have this conversation. If you guys love this episode, if you learn something, I really just want to ask that you share it. And if you feel even more inclined, make sure to write a review. It's really supportive of the women who are coming on here and telling their stories, which some can be pretty vulnerable, but they're hoping to educate you and to spread the word. So help us do that if you would. All right, let's hear from Miss Megan. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf. <laughs> it's mama time. I am sitting here. It's a Saturday morning with Megan and Megan Rothenberg, who you might remember from episode 15. Megan told us her pretty traumatic birth story at the hospital with Nora. And she's coming to us today, having now three home births, water. Well, I guess most of them were water births. You, you labored mostly in the water, so they should all count. Yeah, they home, <laughs> all home water births. And she just, gosh, how long is, how old is Eliana right now? Three months, 12 weeks on okay. Friday. So yeah. Friday. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So she's going to tell us this super fresh birth birth story. And we're going to touch on some things such as nuchal cord and hopefully talk a little bit about her journey and deciding, you know, to, to choose home birth after the traumatic birth of Nora and a little bit about how we might talk with our spouses and kind of that, those conversations, because choosing a home birth, especially after you know, a hospital birth can be a, a challenging conversation. It can be something that we really have to work hard on getting them on board with. So I just think it's, it's one of those topics that we don't really talk about a whole lot, 
but I think it would be good for us to discuss, but I'm so excited to hear about this birth. You know, I myself am dreaming and fantasizing for a home water birth. And so it fills me so with so much joy and like, I think hope to hear stories like this. And obviously just knowing you personally, I'm, I'm excited. So anyway, welcome yeah. back, babe. So do you want me to, thank you. Do you want me to start with her birth then Eliana's? Yeah. Let's just talk about, yeah. Let's talk about Eliana's birth. Yeah. So I was 41 weeks and like two days or something like that. And, um, I went to my midwife and we were discussing like what options we were having. Cause you know, you're getting close to that 42 week mark, which is where they have to kind of decide what the plan's going to be and how much longer they can actually keep you under their care. Um, so I, you know, definitely was there. We were talking, I went ahead and I allowed her to check me with her permission of asking first, which is what the most important thing is ever. Um, and so when she did check me, she noticed that the baby's head was kind of up, not down in like the optal, optimal placement of coming out. And so she's like, you know, the best thing is to maybe do some mild circuit, move around, go to the Cairo again, you know, do some things so the baby can get a little bit more wedged in there. So I did all of that. I did the mile circuit like three times that, you know, few days. And I think this was on a Wednesday. Um, on Saturday, I, it was a snowstorm. This is my second snowstorm baby. Um, it, it was really, really bad out. My husband went outside. He had to shovel the driveway and the, you know, the sidewalks. And I was like really in labor. We knew like babies come in. Like I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not even going to have my midwife here this time because these contractions are intense and they were just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And my midwife was at a wedding. <laughs> She's like, okay, well I can come. I, I, it'll take me like an hour because of the snow. I mean, everybody was like prepped. Adam's like getting ready to go get my pool set up. Everything was going. And then all of a sudden it stopped completely. Oh. There was nothing happening. I, I called my midwife again and I said, oh my gosh, there's nothing going on. And she goes, well, take 30 minutes, call me back, see if anything, you know, progresses or happens and we'll go from there. So I went to sleep, nothing happened, nothing at all. Um, Sunday hit and I was like having contractions again and we called her and we're like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is real. And she's like, I believe you, this is your fourth. Like, you know, you're in labor, like we're good. You know, we're good. Then Monday came and I had him again. Everything just kept going and stopping. So we figured out that I was having predominal labor, which okay. if you don't know what that is, anybody, it is just where you are in labor, but something is stopping it. So you just keep having the contractions, but nothing's progressing. Are we so, thinking at this point, this is because the baby's head position, like she, she's yes. trying to get engaged, but she, okay. Okay. That yes, makes sense. That's yeah. exactly what it was. And so my midwife was very much aware of like, okay, so we obviously have something going on where baby is just in a really bad position. So I kept going to the Cairo, I kept getting adjusted. I kept doing the mild circuit. I mean, I just kept doing and doing yeah. and doing. And, um, that was a whole week of prodromal labor. Oh like gosh. it was an entire week. So I was, you know, right at the 42 mark basically. And I had myself scheduled. I was supposed to go get an ultrasound to see how baby was on Monday and on Friday, well, I guess it was Friday morning. I started having contractions again. My husband's on shift. He's a fireman. And I'm thinking, okay, should I call him home? Should I leave him? Should I call him home? I've been having this for a week. I just didn't know what to do. So I just kind of decided to really relax and just take things slow. My mom was here. So I was able to have her focus on the kids and I just kept having contractions and 
early morning, they just got a little stronger, um, kept increasing. I lost my mucus plug. I called the midwife, told her that like, once you lose that, you know, they're like, okay, you know, stuff's happening. It's, it's real. So I just started progressing all day long. I mean, we cleaned the house, we baked a little, we, you know, did that kind of stuff. It wasn't anything unbearable. I actually really enjoy that early pregnancy labor. It's like my favorite. I just love it. And so by two o'clock, my husband's actually on the computer tutoring, he tutors. And I text him up in the bedroom and I said, I think you might need to call Monica because this is really getting intense. And he's like, oh gosh. So he knows if I tell him you've got to call (laughs) midwife that, you know, stuff's happening. Yeah. So he called or he texts her, I think, and she immediately calls because this is how they're just so smart and so good at what they do. They know if they get anything from the husband that they need to like immediately contact the woman (laughs) because they know something's happening. So she (laughs) called and she, you know, asked me how I was feeling. We were talking about it. I was having contractions and she's like, okay, well, how do you feel? Like, do you think that I can finish up with this client and then head your way around three? Or do you think I should just cancel this client now and move on to your house? And of course I told her, we'll finish with the client. Right. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, even though I'm actually in labor at this point and I probably should have said, just, no, just come, but I I don't want to be rude. You know, you never want to be rude. I know. It's so amazing that, you know, you have the ability and they're giving you the ability to gauge how you're feeling, but at the same time, like the, the people pleaser, the the kind person that the woman in us wants to be like, oh no, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm fine. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, um, I had a photographer this time, Jennifer Fallett, cool. and she's just, um, she's awesome. This was her first home birth photography. So I actually called her cause she was only in Barrington and I'm like, which is not too far from me. And I'm like, why don't you come now? And so she came and so she got some amazing like pre shots where I was just, you know, in that labor by myself with my cat, with my babies, with my husband. It was just it was beautiful to have that before the midwife even arrived. Um, but then the midwife did, she got here, Monica got here around four. And when she got here, she's like, oh, you really are in labor. Cause I mean, you gotta realize they come to a lot of homes where mm-hmm. ladies in labor, but still has a long time to go. And they, you know, they sometimes will leave. Um, they might come back. They might go to the coffee shop around the corner and then come back again. Uh, but she knew I was in labor. so. We started to fill the pool. I already had it inflated, but we started to fill the pool. And then by 4.30, she's like, why don't you get in the pool? So I got in the pool and it was just, it was beautiful. I mean, everything about every contraction. I just love the contractions and people think I'm insane, but they're just so amazing if you can just focus and get through them, you know? So my contractions were really great. So I was progressing quickly. Everything was going. Um around 5 36 o'clock I was basically in that like transition position and everyone knew like her sounds her tones her vibe her her body everything is pointing to babies coming where's the head kind of thing (laughs) yeah and so um we you know I kept pushing and pushing I even was talking through each one at the end and saying like where's the head and I'm feeling down trying to feel for the head there's no head and Monica and Shelly my other midwife they both were like you know let's get you in a frog position. And I had never done a frog position. I normally prefer to be on my hands and knees kind of leaning over the tub. So they got me in a frog position. And as soon as they got me into that position, um, baby's head came out and 
I've had this happen three times where I have felt, you know, um, the crowning in the head, but this time it was different because I really felt like, I almost felt like I was splitting. It just felt very, very, lots of pressure, lots yeah. of, lots of pressure. And I kept thinking, this is more than a normal, you know, baby head. And, um, that's when they noticed that there was a nuchal cord, you know, right wrapped around her neck and it was still calm. Everybody was just very calm. And she tried to kind of take her fingers and wiggle it out and, you know, a nuchal cord, no big deal. You just flip it out. Baby comes out, you know, it's normally not a big deal. Um, but mine was wrapped three times around. And so when she had me do my, I had another contraction that's when she realized like, this is getting tighter rather than looser. Like I can't get it. So she was like, you know, Megan, I need, I need you out of the tub and we got to get baby out. Like I got to get you out. And so it happened so quickly and everyone was so fast. And these midwives are extremely talented and amazing. I mean, just the fact that she knew what was happening, I think back like a week ago, but couldn't really say for sure. Sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, I got out of the tub, got right on my floor. I mean, I wasn't prepared for this. I've, this is my third home birth. I had everything prepared where it's like, I had my bed protected. I had the floor right around the tub protected. I had all that protected, but I had no idea that she was going to cut, you know, the, the nuchal cord. I've never had that before. Yeah. So I don't normally have blood at births. I just don't have that much. Some women do, some women don't. And I'm fortunate where I don't, but this birth I did, this was a, this was blood because, you know, as soon as she cut the cord, baby just blew yeah. out. I mean, yeah. she, that it was amazing. Like I didn't even feel the ring of fire that time because she just flew right <laughs> out. It was just, she was stuck. So, um, we immediately, you know, everybody was like in at that moment, everyone was in like, not a panic mode. It was just like, everyone do what you have to do yeah. to figure out what's going on. So like I had my, I use a cutting board for baby because you need a spot to have just in case you need to resuscitate, you need to have some type of firm surface that they always tell you like, make sure you have that. Well, I never needed it before, but I'm so glad that I had it because we ended up putting her on it for a second so they could hear her heart tones, make sure she was all right. Um, she was definitely having a little bit of a blue color because those last few contractions really did take some air away. Um, so she was, you know, just shocked. Which yeah. in the hospital, this happens all the time, but you don't see it. The mother doesn't see it. And they normally take the baby real quick and like give him some oxygen and then, yeah. oh, baby's good. And they hand him back to mom. My case was a little different. They allowed me to be involved. So I actually got to give her a few breaths. Cool. It was cool. the most amazing connection of a child oh. and mother. I mean, I could cry and give you goosebumps because it, it just gives me goosebumps. I, I still to this day have like tears in my eyes every time I talk about it. But so she, you know, I, I gave her her first little puffs of air. It was just, it was remarkable. And she was perfect. I mean, everything was fine came back to, you know, everything, you know, all her vitals are fine. She's talking now, <laughs> um, but everything was great. And so it was just a, for me, the most amazing thing was how fast of a reaction my midwives had. People think that you get this midwife that comes to your house that is just, oh, okay, I'm here. You know, I'm a hippie. I, I want to just witness your birth. And it's like, that's not it. I compare them to Mary Poppins because oh, I love that. that. that they, 
has so much stuff in it. You know, they have so much. I, I couldn't believe Monica. She actually had like a whole entire kit. It was like almost like a toolbox that she had that a man would use at a workout, you know, work studio yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, you have everything that you would ever possibly need. So after that, you know, I, I climbed into bed and they obviously checked me. Um, baby's always number one. You know, you always want to make sure the baby. I, I remember exactly after everything was good. I mean, I have a photo. I know you've seen it where she is actually bent over and just like touching my chin and my cheeks. And she's asking me, are you okay, mom? You know, are you okay, mama? I need to know, are you okay? Because for some people that could have been a very traumatic event. Of course. Yeah. But for me, it was not. For me, my traumatic stuff is still back at the first birth and, and people don't understand why I can't get over that. But it's, if you've had trauma, you know, that it's just, it's your one thing. Yeah. For me, I was home. I felt safe. I never felt as if she was in any danger. I knew they knew what to do if she was. And I felt very taken care of. I, I just, I, I can't thank them enough yeah. for their expertise of, you know, all the training that they do for this. Um, but goes, I got in the, you know, I get in the bed and all the, all the attention goes back to mom and baby. They put baby to breast immediately. And, you know, they're cleaning me up. They're checking me out. They're making sure that I don't have any extra blood coming out and that everything's okay. And then the rest is just the bliss of after birth, which is my all-time favorite thing. I just love the afterbirth. I can have afterbirth every day. <laughs> if I could it's like (laughs) wonderful but yeah so that was her birth and um I wish that more people knew how important it is that you don't have to have a c-section just because you have a nuclear cord you know around around your baby's neck I hear so many stories where people are like well I had to have a c-section because my baby had the cord wrapped around its neck so we had to do it And, you know, you don't, the scary thing for me is that if we would have gone with the ultrasound on Monday and she had not decided to come on her own on Friday, I would have been sent for C-section. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been, because they just, they won't, wouldn't say like, oh, let's go ahead and let's try this. You know, they want to be professional about what they do. Yeah. So I want to rewind really quick. We saw her head come out. We saw that she had the cord wrapped. Mm -hmm. And then they had you get out of the tub. And when they tried to, when she tried to unwrap it and realized it was too tight and that she couldn't, that was when they decided to cut it, right? Yes. She immediately asked Shelly, my other midwife, for a clamp. She actually said it very quietly. I didn't know what she was saying at the moment because I was having contraction, but my husband heard it. And he's like, he's like, okay. So in his head, he's, you know, replaying it in his head. And he's thinking, yeah. Okay. So there, there's a cord issue. Okay. Okay. And then he hears her a little bit more firm, like Shelly clamp clamp. And so since she then handed the clamp and then that's when she said, you know, get out of the water kind of, and she even apologized for that. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I think I was rude when I told you to get out of the water. And I'm like, Monica, oh my goodness, you are <laughs> getting this baby safely out of me. No, like you were not rude at all. <laughs> but you know, they just, that's just how they are, their nature. Um, but yeah, so then, then it was like, okay, it's extra tight. So then she just cut it. And there's a picture of that too, that my photographer got, which I am so thankful for. Cause if you see it's really, really cool to see that you can see her and you can see the cords. So it, it's amazing. I had an extra long, um, 
cord this time, which is one of the reasons why, you know, she got tangled up in it was when you have an extra long one, it has nowhere to go besides wrapping around something. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the new cord. So I, I think I told you that when, when you and I first talked, we had, you know, I've obviously been keeping, we have been messaging a little bit when you were in labor and then, um, and of course, getting to see pictures and we kind of talked briefly after you let me know about, about the nuchal cord. Yeah. Being where I am, obviously I have a genuine interest in all of this anyway, but I definitely decided to do a little bit of research that way that I could be talking to my own midwife about this and mm-hmm. kind of her experience and how they would handle it. And what I did not know, although I should have, because in hindsight, you know, I listen to so many birth stories and you do, you hear about nuchal cord. And maybe, maybe you don't hear nuchal cord, the term a whole lot. Maybe you'll just hear the cord is wrapped around the baby's head. So nuchal cord can mean, you know, it can be one, one or more times around the baby's neck. And, you know, I heard, heard it so, so much. And usually, like you said earlier in the context of, I had to have a C-section and this is why, and that is a lot of times will be the case, right? Is that there could be whether it was a failure to, to progress via induction or something else, but that a C-section will be done. And the doctors will often say, oh, well, here's why, right? This is why we had to do the C-section was because the baby's cord is wrapped around. Well, here's, here's a statistic that kind of blew my mind was that one in three babies, yes. one in three babies are born with nuchal cord. Now it, I did learn that, you know, as far as how many times, you know, one to three, even maybe four is not crazy uncommon. Mm-hmm. However, there are variations of that that can make things a little bit more um, pressing, you know, when we, when, the, when the babies, when the baby starts to come out, right? So if you have a super long cord, that can sometimes mean that the babies can be wrapped around a little bit more. There's even stories where, you know, it's like under the baby's arm and then under the baby's leg mm-hmm. and a little bit, a little bit more entrapped or like nodding, you know, nodding in yes. the cord. Um, you know, you start getting five, five and up and that starts to be, you know, potentially more opportunities for there to be, you know, fetal distress or things of that sort. But one of the things that I think is really interesting to understand and to, to kind of think about when you're thinking about how, how scared or how fearful you might be of this happening to you is of course, just like we said, how common it is, but the cord is made. God is amazing. He made the cord with this, it's called Wharton's jelly. So there's this gelatinous filling in the cord that protects the vessels from pressure or strain. So when the, when the cord is wrapped or knotted, um, you know, around the baby's neck, that filling that the, that Wharton's jelly helps protect so that there's not constriction on those, on those vessels. So it's incredible. It blows my mind. Incredible. And so when you think about what the cord does, right, the cord is what provides the baby oxygen. So until that baby comes out of the womb and takes his first breath of oxygen of, of the air from, from, you know, outside the womb, the cord is really providing the baby that oxygen. So with the cord being wrapped around the baby's neck, the, the variation, I think that that midwives or doctors are going to be looking for if they're not, you know, if we're not scared into a C-section by this is like, what's the severity of compression? So how tight the cord is wrapped around and whether the cord is really long or whether the cord is really short. But the thing to remember is that the majority of births, like it's very rare that there's a nuchal cord and that there's any adverse 
complications or outcomes. Usually baby is really, really just fine and healthy. Maybe you have to get a couple of breaths of air, but you know, there's, you know, a lot of times I think you'll go into these stories and you'll hear about how there was fetal distress, right? Like the heart tones started to to decline. Changed. So that was, you know, another sign that she was doing well. Yes. Yes. I mean, but we have to remember too, that that's like normal labor too, right? Like fetal Mm -hmm. for those, for the, for the tones to kind of drop a little bit, become a little bit abnormal is not an abnormal thing to happen. It's important for us to understand, I think, you know, what, what to to the severity, right? Like, you know, what, when do we need to be worrying? When do we need to be concerned? When do we really need to be worrying about fetal distress or when do we realize that there might be either a nuchal cord or whether it's just a normal part of labor. And, you know, I, you, you have more chances of the baby having fetal distress from an induction, like such as using Pitocin or something than you do. They're so intense. Those contractions I've had, I've had Pitocin. It's those contractions are not real. They (laughs) hurt so much. Yes. And the other thing I wanted to explain too, is, you know, when you think about the physiology of of the body. And then of course, how, how everything works in birth and labor, the baby is connected to the core, which is connected to the placenta and the uterus, right? The fundus is what is pull, pushing, right? It's like kind of squishing at the top, kind of shrinking things up so that, and pushing the baby in the placenta and the nuchal cord down at the same time. So it's not like you have this cord that's like attached to the top of the uterus that isn't, that isn't coming. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's being pulled that way. They're traveling together. So really it just has to have enough space to be able to make it through the birth canal, which usually the cord has, you know, just needs a couple extra, what centimeters, inches (laughs) to get through some of that. So if you are fearful of, if, if, if stories like this make you a little bit nervous, or you've been scared into thinking that, you know, a nuchal cord could be like a life or death thing, and you need do your research, I promise it'll make you feel a little bit more comfortable about it. And I think it's also, you know, it's good to know, you know, in, in these cases and in, in any labor, you know, that's why it's good also to be up on, you know, be upright, whether it's on your fours or standing or squatting or frog position yeah. like Megan versus laying back. Cause that's going to add additional strain. That's not going to be able to get the baby, you know, the gravity is what's doing the work there. It's also why I think it's an important thing to consider not breaking the waters, manually breaking the waters. You know, cause that's just an extra layer of, of protection for compression. If the baby's cord is wrapped, you know what I mean? Like you have that. That's that the kind other of thing I trouble. didn't say when my water did break in the water, cause I was in the water. Um, it was the most intense popping sensation <laughs> I've ever had. Um, cause I've had it so different on each birth that, you know, I wasn't prepared for it and they were pushing on my I was in that frog position and they were pushing on my lower back and, you know, squeezing my hips and everything. And they could feel it. Like it popped so much. They were like, Whoa, Oh my goodness. Your water. <laughs> Gosh. It's just so crazy. It's crazy to me too, how you can be in your fourth birth, you know what I mean? Or like your third, your third, you know, home birth yes. and, you, and, and how those things differ and how different they can feel and the experience can be. Every birth I've had has been so different and <laughs> It's so exciting. You know, everyone keeps telling me you have four babies. You should be done. Don't have any more. But it's like, I, I just love it so much. Like I, I'd love to do it again. Like this didn't scare me to not, you know, to have another home birth. Like if I decided to have a fifth baby, I would still have another home birth. Like there was nothing scary to me about this at all. Um, but again, I've done so much research that I was prepared for a lot of different scenarios. Like for scenarios. sure. 
For sure. Well, and it really, I think too, goes to show that your support, you know, the, the midwives, just like how calm, even if they're firm, right? Like even with their, if they're, you know, they're talking business, right? They're, they're giving you direction, yeah. you know, them staying calm, them feeling comfortable, them knowing what they want to, you know, just the drill and having that sense of calm is really what makes us feel safe too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a difference versus um, there being kind of like a sense of panic. Um, or, exactly. you know, there being like a trust issue on, on either side, right? Like they're not trusting mm-hmm. you and you're not trusting them. So I just, I think that makes a world of a difference. Um, oh, it's such a beautiful story. And it gets me so, gets me so excited. And you're so oh, funny when you say like, people think I'm crazy for, you know, enjoying contractions. Like that's truly how, that's how I envision it. And I am like, I am so excited and hopeful to be able to experience that. If there's nothing scary about them, they, you know, that I can't say that they don't hurt, but it's such a different hurt. You know, it's a different feeling. It's like, you know, you know, that that pain is going to last a very short time. And that just brought your baby closer, you know, yes. just a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And it's just such a, I don't know. It's such a fun, fun thing. I, I, it's weird. No, it's not weird. I, I seriously love it. I totally, I totally get it. I, you know, I'm like really into Ina May Gaskin and I love listening to stories and watching the movie and watching the, these women just like, they, they're like in a sense of euphoria. And I, a lot of what's talked about too, right. Is like the, that period in between contractions. So yeah. like that time where you have to break and how relaxed you can get in between it and how of a, much of a high almost it can feel like. I just think yeah, that and in between I talk. Like, I just can't believe that I can be in so much pain that I'm like moaning as if I'm some type of animal. And then that contraction stops. And then I'm able to say, can I have some water or, you know, you know, yeah. I had all three of my children also around the pool. Oh. Was, all of them were there. So I had splashing in my face of water. I had leaning on the pool. You know, I had, I had them all in there and I had like Joe, who was my four-year-old saying, where's baby? When's baby coming out? When's oh baby yeah. coming out? So, you know, you have all these distractions at home, even though <laughs> I still loved it, you know, and I could end up talking to them in between the contractions so that they didn't think that it was all scary. You know, oh I was man, that's so amazing. That's there so amazing. With them. I know. I loved it. I loved it. I have to tell you that I've been, um, I've been having miles watch, like call yeah. the midwife. I like fast forward <laughs> I like fast forward to to the birthing scenes and I let him watch it and I'll talk and he loves it. Like you can, he, he's very intently watching and he'll have a smile on his face and like the baby will be born and he'll like hold his arms out, you know, like, oh baby. And, and when, when they're moaning or things and, you know, bits of Ina Mae Gaskin's movie too, have been having, you know, because I think that's probably a little bit more, they were a little bit more graphic. And so I, I mean, kind of easing into some of those, but, you know, I'll say things to him like, she's working really, really hard, but she's okay. You know, baby's coming and just talking really positively about it. And I just, so I, it's obviously, we'll see, right? Like we'll see what's well, reaction. Was, actually, even with Nora, which she was two, when I had my first home birth, um, I even did YouTube videos of home births that people had posted Yes, and I let her watch it. I would fast forward too. So you didn't see all the like, you know, pre stuff. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They can't, their attention span isn't going to hold for that long for somebody. Not else. At all. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I kept thinking like, how can I prepare him in this way? And, 
you know, he can hear maybe some of these sounds that might sound a little scary at first. We can talk through them, but I think that's so beautiful. I, I love that story so much. I do too. I want to rewind and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, after Nora's birth, Joe. So when did you know you were going to have a home birth? And I want to start talking about the conversation with Adam, your husband, about kind of talking him into that and, and what that experience was like. So I went ahead and I switched providers after, after Nora, I switched to a different OBGYN company or, you know, whatever you call them, practice. practice yeah. Um, I switched to a different one that was highly recommended by a lot of women in one of my mom's groups. And I was like, okay, I'll give them a shot. So I met a doctor there and I really liked her. She actually was fantastic. And I probably could have had a really good second birth at a hospital with her. I, I probably could have, like, I will tell you that she was really awesome, but I was, as soon as I got to my 20 week ultrasound with them. So I was halfway through that pregnancy before I decided wow. to switch. Um, they took me at 19 weeks to do an ultrasound. And I thought that was weird because I'd been doing my research and I always heard that you're supposed to wait until at least like 21, 22 weeks even to do your anatomy exam, you know, because you want to make sure that the heart tones are developed and everything. So you could see them on the ultrasound. So you don't have to go back for another. Yeah. And they sent me at 19 and they scared me and they said like, oh, we can't see his heart chambers. You're going to have to do another ultrasound and he may need surgery. And it was like a scare factor. It just happened where they, they were like freaking me out. I wasn't prepared to be freaked out. This is my second baby. I had a miscarriage before. Like I was not ready to be scared. Yeah, yeah. So I started to research. I wanted to do a birth center and he really didn't want a birth center. He was like, no, it's too far away. Like, I don't want to do it. And I thought, well, my goodness, like, what am I going to do? Because I do not want to do this birth in a hospital. Yeah. And so I did a lot more research, reached out to a lot of ladies and got into some groups and found out that there were some practices around. And so I called and met with a midwife and he came, but I knew that he wasn't going to let me, like, he just didn't want to do it. He is a fireman paramedic and now he's a nurse. So he, was like, you know, there's so many things that could go wrong. I really don't feel comfortable. I, I just don't. So I brought him with me to this um, prenatal visit. And he was like, you know, it's, they're just so different. Everything's so different. And I'm like, yeah, it's what I want. Like, I love this. This is, this is what I want. Like, I love that this was relaxed. This was talking. This was really getting to know who I am as an individual. And that's what I want. So we went back and forth for a while. I mean, a lot of it was just sharing I shared birth stories with him I would send him information all the time I really wanted him to know like listen this is happening this is me I want this this is my body like I want to do this and he res- he respected it I mean we ended up going with that midwife and he learned more and was able to kind of get on board you know I mean it just took a lot of me doing a lot of the extra yeah. research to give to him yeah. and um you know, Joe's birth was just so, I mean, I only had 20 weeks to prepare. So I, I didn't have very much time. To yeah. Yeah. Even just mentally, you know, I, I, I had found out about hypnobirthing. I didn't know anything about that in the past. Um, so I'm like fast forwarding to that. I, you know, I was watching and trying to prepare myself. I learned about dates. I learned about red raspberry leaf tea, which now I've learned that Nora tea is better than red raspberry tea. You know, it's just like, there's so much stuff that I now know that I didn't know then that, you know, this birth was very well planned. I mean, I had used a 
forever. I had like a plastic Tupperware pull out drawers and I had a um, label maker and I label make everything so that it said like midwife drawer, baby drawer, postpartum stuff, you know, emergency. I had everything for this birth because the first birth, I didn't know what I was doing. I put everything that needed, that was needed for that birth inside a Tupperware bin inside the room that I was giving birth. And I threw up a few lights and that was about it. I mean, I just had no idea yeah. what I was doing. <laughs> so tell me about then, um, how did Adam feel after Joe's birth? Like, tell me about some of the conversations you guys had and, you know, when it came time for Miles's birth, was it no brainer? Yeah. So after Joe's birth, I was treated like a goddess. I could believe <laughs> I think he was like so amazed with how in tuned I was with my body and how well I handled that pain that, I mean, he bought me, he bought me gift cards and uh, flowers and he was so lovey dovey. I mean, he was just so, he was so loving and not that he isn't before, but it was just a different feel that we had like a different connection. I mean, he almost delivered. I never like to use the word deliver, but he almost (laughs) did the whole birth by himself. Because wow. our midwife actually, Joe came so fast that our, our midwife missed the birth. So, um, you know, he had to like prepare himself for, okay, I'm, I'm doing this. Like I, I'm doing this. So, you know, he has the flashlight and he's, you know, looking to see if, if the baby's head's down there, but it was actually the, the sack because I, he was coming out in cow. And so it's just like, you know, afterwards, I think he was relieved that the midwife assistant showed up six minutes before Joe arrived. Gotcha. Because it just gave him that extra. Okay, of course. Else is here. Yeah. Um, but after that birth, because, you know, I wasn't prepared. I mean, I, I just didn't have anything really set up. I, I just thought, okay, the baby's going to come. Here we go. Yeah. Um, and the second time around, you know, I took the time. I took weeks and weeks, like from 28 weeks on developing the room and getting everything, I gathered everything I needed, getting it prepared. And, you know, he was just more of, I think he felt very comfortable the second time around knowing that like, okay, we need to call a midwife sooner. We learned from that mistake that, yeah. you know, call sooner because you don't know how fast you're going to be, which Miles ended up, I think I touched base on the last episode, you know, he ended up being one of my longest births. So I really didn't need to worry about calling a midwife because it was so long, but we still had them there the whole time. Um, but yeah, I mean, afterwards, I felt, I think he felt very connected to me and very knowledgeable because yeah. he now talks to people about it a lot. You know, he still gets a lot of the firemen at work that'll say like, oh my gosh, you know, you let your wife birth at home. Like, that's crazy. You're a fireman, you know, why, why, you know, it could happen. And then he comes now and he educates them. Oh, I love it. Yes. So he will be like, no, no, no. And he's even had a couple calls um, on the fire department where, you know, they had a woman that was going for, she thought she was in labor. She was in labor, but she was in way early labor. And Adam's like, no, 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 guys, don't worry. She's not crowning. Like, you don't even need to look down there. I can tell. Like, I know that she's not (laughs) because he knows the sounds that a woman's going to make. If they're actually going to be crowning, you know. Oh my gosh. I love it. So, you know, it's it's really cool that he has that expertise now. It's that's so amazing. Okay. I I, full confession here. So obviously I want to, I want to, I want a natural, of course I want a home birth and a water birth for millions of reasons, 
I want that connection with the baby. I want to experience what my body's capable of. Mm -hmm. I want to feel the euphoria of birth. I want to feel in control. I want to feel in an environment where like, I have people that are just there to almost like celebrate with me and have this party afterwards. I want to just, I want to have this beautiful, calm entrance, you know, into the world for my, for my baby and, 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 you know, experience all the things I didn't get to experience. I want to be the first one to hold my child, you know, like all of these things. But one of the things I really also want, because I hear these stories like yours is that I like hear that, you know, your husband or your partner, like your, your relationship can kind of can change and like in a, in a beautiful way, because to witness a woman, you know, be so in tune with her body and just see her, see her accomplish something just so incredibly crazy, like insane, but just so beautiful. There's just like a newfound respect and understanding and appreciation for a God's creations right? Because how amazing for all those things to just to work so well and so beautifully and have been created so perfectly for all this to happen, but be able to witness it in someone they love so much. And so I won't lie. And that's like definitely one of the things I'm like, I want that. I want him to know. I mean, we really did get connected in a different level after Joe. I mean, I I don't think anything changed with us after the next two, you know, like nothing didn't like change and grow. He just kind of, he knows exactly when I'm in labor now. Like yeah, he yeah. Knows, he knows my my body and my tone and how things are with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like he sometimes knows I'm in labor before I know for sure that I am in labor. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're in maybe a little bit of denial, right? I, I always have denial because, again, I don't want to bother. Like, I don't want to call the midwife and make her drive all the way here for something false, you know, and and that's what they're there for. They, yeah. they tell you all the time, like, don't do that. Call us. We will come. It's okay. It's our job. But I always feel bad. No, I, I you know what? I think we hear that a lot. Like, I just think that's yeah. a very, very common, just, just the innate sense in us, yeah. you know? I think it's so funny when I think about kind of what you were just kind of like the secession of births and how they, like the, the quickness and stuff. It's so funny because I've been thinking this birth or this, this baby, if we're able to do a home birth, it's like a lot of midwives kind of will think to treat it like a first birth, right? Because technically I didn't go into labor, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have that experience. And so, but when you listen to kind of seasoned midwives talk about kind of characteristics of, of, of births, you know, so the first one is usually like longer and more intense and, you know, definitely challenging. And then the second one is usually easy, like easy as in things go really smoothly, goes fast. Yes. And the third one's like a wild card. <laughs> Which not, seems to, yeah, yeah, which seems to fit pretty well with, with your, yeah. I actually, I like to compare my first and third births were a lot of the same. Okay. And then my second and, and fourth were, her birth would have almost copied Joe's birth if we didn't have the cord. Okay. I think they would have almost been the exact same. Wow. Yeah. So it, it is crazy, but my wild card was extremely wild. Well, Miles was posterior, right? Yes, and um, we had to break the bag at home, so we were at that point of no return because he was almost—he was actually born. I think it was like actually forty-one and six days he got here. Uh, so we were yeah. pushing so close You're, to that yeah. that we we had to do something. So his—I think that interrupted 
you know, even though home birth is supposed to be like the most natural choice yeah. of birth, it still has those precautionary things that you have to do just to be safe. And my safest bet was to break the bag and try to get labor going. And I did that at home and I did stairs and, you know, I did all sorts of stuff to get it going. I used the breast pump and yeah, yeah, it happened. It just took a while. Well, and you know what, something I think maybe worth mentioning is that, because I don't think I really knew this and started until I started doing some research and trying to find, you know, midwives. And I was, you know, now from going from Alaska to Florida, each state is going to have different laws and regulations for what the midwife has to abide by. So, you know, in Megan's state, the midwife might not, you know, because of, of laws and regulations and also insurance, they may not be able to go past 42 weeks and so many days. Right. And so it, that will differ from state to state. So I think that's something that's you know good to be aware of and understand that those are things, those are questions you're going to have to ask so that you can be prepared for if, if you come to that time and we're pushing the clock that, you know, that way it's not, doesn't feel like a curveball is throwing at you at the end. Well, and a, but, lot of, a lot of the midwives do discuss that with you at your first prenatal. Yeah. They'll, they'll explain that they're, they're precautionary, what they have to do to protect themselves as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think we should kind of end with, and this is something we touched on a little bit earlier about, you know, if you have any inclination at all, you've heard home birth stories and, and you just love the idea and you love the way it sounds and you maybe have a little bit of a vision for it, but you're nervous or your spouse is concerned. And, and I think majority of them are, I mean, conversations, I mean, you know, Cameron was completely on board with miles. And of course things took a, took a turn, Um, but I had to kind of start all that over again with my, with Cameron in this birth. And I think that the C-section stuff probably had some kind of an effect on that, even though he saw how much and how, how painful that was for me, you know, in a emotional sense. And then also in like, you know, the recovery sucked, (laughs) but um, I had to kind of start all of that over again. And I think that like anything else, knowledge is power, right? So I feel like, you know, the more I educate him and the more I really explain my reasoning and my desire and provide him kind of evidence-based research, right? Evidence-based stuff that he can really, I think, have faith in, you know what I mean? Like he can, he can kind of see the numbers there and, and really educating him on the, the physiology of, of how things are supposed to work he got on board and it's something that he's really supportive of now. Sure. I'm sure I know there's gotta be some fears, but the other thing is, I think it's really important that we, that you and your partner, you know, have conversations with midwife, go through all of, if it makes you feel better, go through all the different emergency, you know, all the case scenarios of if this were to happen, what they have or what the precautions would be. And what you're going to find is that, you know, midwife is not going to want to take any kind of increased liability, right? They need to, they want to play it safe too. So you're transferring to a hospital, right? If it's an emergency before it's an emergency, there's no playing around, you know, and they are incredibly well-equipped and they're so, I feel like, and Megan, you should tell me what you feel like about this, but because they were trained to really believe and trust and be in tune with the woman's body. And I think the woman's spirit, right? There's this emotional, spiritual connection that you just simply may not be able to have with an OB because you don't have that same time with them, right? You can't build that connection, but they have such a more, I think, in tuned um, intuition and sense of, of the woman and what's going on in the baby. And I don't think like, you know, they're not relying so much on all the different instruments and technology, right? Like the fetal monitoring, like they're doing so much of that kind of themselves with the, their own Doppler, but 
it's just a different intuition going on. And so I feel like they're almost more in tune with the baby and you than a doctor is. Oh, 100%. A doctor spends, what, five minutes when he comes in or she comes in to talk to you about how you're feeling and they go down their list of checklists of things that they know that pregnancy women have issues with. And then if you don't have those, it's like, okay, good to go. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. The midwife is a whole different level. I mean, I remember for each of my three births, I would walk in and I not only got a hug, even through a pandemic, <laughs> I not only got a hug, um, they would then say, how are you doing? Yes. Like, how yes. are you doing? How do you feel? How How is home? Is there anything at your house right now that's aggravating you? Is there anything in your house right now that you know, is bothering you, which for me, you know, I was living with my in-laws for half of my pregnancy, yeah. which was not easy for anyone. Yeah. And, you know, I could sit there for a few minutes, almost like talking to a therapist and tell them how frustrated I was living at my in-laws. You know, I was able to say that to them and then we would move on. And, you know, it's a different, it's a different connection. I mean, I've had three different midwives for these births. Well, five altogether, if you count even the assistant. And Every single one of them I love so much. And I mean, they just have been such a wonderful, wonderful part of my life. And they brought my babies earthside, you know, like they yeah. were there witnessing yeah. this amazing thing. They weren't just there coming in right before it's time to push a baby out and they are there and then, oh, okay, great. I mean, I remember Nora's birth. It was like, as soon as she was out, they were gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I never saw that doctor again. So it's like, it's so different. Yeah. It really is holistic care, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it truly is because, you know, they understand. And I think this is something so incredibly important for a soon to be mom to understand that, um, so much of, of pregnancy and labor and birth is, is mental and emotional and as well as the physical side of things, how things, you know, the mechanical mechanics of it, how it's supposed to work. A lot of it really does can be, is impacted by, what's on your mind, what's, what's stressing you out, you know, what you're emotionally holding on to. And so I think that with a midwife to be able, you be able to have conversations with them, even if we're talking, you know, like four months out prior to a birth, you know, I, you hear so many stories of, of women going into labor and there's things that come up that are, have been on her mind or her heart that you wouldn't necessarily think are there, but once they get spoken out to, and so if, if a midwife or somebody, a support person um, or a doula, right, if they know these things about you and they can you're comfortable talking with them and you can kind of pull some of that stuff out and have these conversations, you know, they know you so much better and they have the ability to do that. Well, and, and like my midwife knows me so well that I forgot to mention this when I was at the appointment, when I was telling the birth story, she actually said to me, Megan, do you think that this baby is having the prodromal labor because you mentally are not ready for this to be possibly your last birth? Oh, and, you know, I never actually thought about it until she brought it into my mind. And I kept thinking, am I not letting this baby come because I selfishly want to continue being pregnant and I <laughs> want to meet the baby, but I want to be pregnant? Like, am I keeping the baby? I, I went home with that. You know, I thought yeah, about it for a while. Yeah. I wasn't keeping her. Now we know, you know, I, I wasn't, yeah, but yeah. I love that she brought that up. I love that she put that idea in my head so that if it was something in the back of my mind, I could let go. Yes. Um, Cause she knows how much, you know, I was one of the, I was one of their uh, clients that would walk in and they'd be like, Oh my gosh, you know, you, you just seem so you're glowing. You just are so oh. happy. Like by the time 
people are getting to the 40 week mark, you know, they're already sad and miserable and they want baby out. And you're saying you could do it two more weeks, you know, <laughs> um, like knew how much I loved the, the pregnancy part. And, yeah. Yeah. And letting that goes hard. You know, I mean, I'm still struggling right now with, you know, is it selfish of me to have another when I have four beautiful babies? Is it mm-hmm. time for me to close that chapter? And how do you close that chapter? I mean, I, I have no idea how you close it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. That's, I, I feel like my only response to that is you're just going to have to feel it out and let go and go with the flow and just like, let, let life happen and see, cause you know, you're either going to feel complete at some point, or you're going to feel like you want another baby. I think you'll be able to tell some kind of a difference of whether you're just wanting to experience pregnancy and birth again, or whether you really, I I do feel pretty complete with her. You know, I mean, I've been so blessed to have two boys and two girls. I mean, I don't think that you could get any more perfect than that. So it's like, I'm going to reflect on it for a while. <laughs> well, babe, and you know what? You know, also seems very natural to me. It was this whole path and your passion of of doing the work itself. Like how, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the yearning, you know, maybe it's the yearning for you to be the, the midwife, right? You'd be yeah. such an incredible. It is incredible. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? We've covered a lot of really awesome things, I think. And hopefully we've given the women on the other end a lot of stuff to think about and maybe even just another sense of comfort. I'd like to end with is just that no matter what order your births are. So, you know, my first one was my traumatic birth, but it could have been that my third was my traumatic birth, you know, no matter what, not saying that everyone's going to have a traumatic birth because that's just not how it goes. But, you know, if you did have a, a wonderful first birth and your second birth was okay. And then your third birth ended up being a traumatic event, you know, every birth is so different that it's, it's just how it goes. I feel like each birth represents each child. So whether, you know, how they came into the world doesn't really matter, but kind of how they made their path does. And so that's a uniqueness to it. Cause I sometimes feel guilty with always comparing Nora's birth to my traumatic birth. Yeah. I don't want her to always think that or know that that was so traumatic for me. So I'm hoping that you know, people can realize that you can have a traumatic birth, you can have a wonderful, perfect birth, you can have a hard birth. And, you know, all four of mine now have been so different. You know, I mean, I'll still tell you that Miles, my third was one of the hardest births. And so it's just that everyone has their own view of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Makes a lot of sense. I loved this so much today. I mean, I was really, so we were supposed to record this last night and we had to push it back to today. And I was just, I've just been looking forward to it so much. Oh goodness, just, I'm so glad. I was so happy to share the birth with you because I, I haven't shared it for very, like very much with people. Um, just, I've been so busy. Well, yeah, you're like, you're, she's only three months old. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And the other three, I mean, it, my house is so loud. I'm surprised it's not loud right now, but um, no, they've been amazing. It's so chaotic. It's so loud. It's so busy. It's so hard to get in and out of a van. I mean, things have just changed so drastically, but it's wonderful. Oh, well, you're, you're a super mom. I, I'm telling you, I think if this baby is a girl, I might be really inclined to stop it too, but we'll see. You'll see. We'll see anyway. All right. Well, darling, thank you so much. And we'll be, um, we'll be in touch obviously, but thank you so much yeah. for taking the time to share all this with us. And I, I love, I love every bit of it. And good luck. <laughs> thank you. All right. We'll talk right. soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey mamas, before you peace out. 
If what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF, or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy, and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire, and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.